welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode 13. Let's get started. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing the recap again this week. This is a Fringe episode 13 called What Lies Below. I'm not really sure why that is, but hey. Okay. We start out this episode. You don't remember why? It's called What Lies Below? Uh-huh. Okay, we'll talk about it. Okay. And I after you do the recap. Okay. Uh we start out in a Boston office building. And let's see. I have this little messenger's name, but we learn his name later, so I'll just say the courier. Anyway, we have a bike courier and he's getting on an elevator. Uh it shows him getting on the elevator and he uh, goes to the 16th floor, which is this company called Petro, Petro Company. And when he gets on the elevator, there's only one other person on the elevator. It's a man. Uh, we learn later that he's a, a, a Dutch citizen. But anyway, uh, uh, there's a man on the elevator, and he's looking kind of sick. And he starts, as they're riding up the elevator, he starts bleeding from his nose. So when the elevator door opens, the man walks out very slowly out into the receptionist area. And the receptionist is saying, um, sir, sir, can I help you? And the little courier guy has went over to the receptionist and said, yeah, he was bleeding. And I don't know what his problem is. And the man falls down on the floor and he's bleeding. So the, the, uh, bike courier, he rushes over to him and uh, one of the managers there who's this black guy named Ames that we find out later, his name is Ames, he rushes to him also and and uh, the bike courier is giving the man mouth-to-mouth CPR. And the man... Oh, no. I know. And the man is bleeding and stuff. And then he, he realizes that the man is just staring straight up at the ceiling and so he realizes that the man is dead. And the, and the bike courier says, oh, no, the man is dead. And, and he, he's, he's announcing it to the other man and, and the people around. All of a sudden, the man who was dead, his face starts filling up with these red and purple veins. He, and he opens his mouth and all these red particles fly out. It's kind of like on the Green Mile, you know, when he, when, he, when he would take in the bad stuff and then spit it out in those little white particles yeah. it was kind of like all these little white particles like this red, red red dust floated out and all the people who had gathered around him started screaming and you know backing up and everything the next scene that we are at boston's boston children's science center and astrid is in the building and she's looking for walter and this is like one of those uh, science centers where where groups of children or groups of anybody goes and, you know, they learn about different scientific things and there's exhibits and this, not the other. Astrid finds Walter and he's given a lecture to this group of school children. And the lecture that he's given them, he is scaring them by using the example of, say, there's a monster under your bed and you're looking under your bed and the monster grabs you and eats you. And everybody's going, uh, and the kids are looking at him like, what? And the teacher finally says, uh, Excuse me, do you work here? And Walter says, no, but I'm a season pass holder. It's really funny. And the next scene we know, Astrid is leading Walter out of the building and Walter's complaining that they had no right to revoke his membership. <laughs> oh, and he's indignant. He's so I know, I just love Walter. So Olivia calls Astrid on the phone and tells her about this new case that they have with this man. 
So Olivia and Peter arrive on the 16th floor at the Petro Company. And they're talking with a detective castle who says that uh, the man was a Dutch national and his name is Rajon Vanderkamp. Rajon Vanderkamp. That's a nice name. Anyway, so Olivia talks to, with the receptionist and she says that, you know, she didn't know the man. She had never seen this Vanderkamp. He did not have an appointment there with anyone and she did not know him. And now we we find out that Mike the courier, the, the bicycle courier, his name is Mike. Mike goes into the restroom to wash his little face. And as he wash, is washing his face, he starts bleeding from his nose. So we know something's getting ready to happen. Now outside the building, we see Broyles and he is meeting with Astrid and Walter who have just arrived to the building. And he's telling them about the deceased man and the petrol company on the 16th floor and that the man, you know, walked into the offices and then his face ruptured and, you know, he died. So as Broyles, Walter, and Astrid are walking up to the, to the front door, the front glass door of the building, we see Mike the courier coming down the stairs towards the front door of the building. And Mike looks very sick and the veins in his face, they start to throb. And Walter... It's getting ready to open the door for him, but then he notices it. So Walter prevents Mike from opening the door. And Mike is trying to, you know, fight and get out the door. And they all watch as Mike's face explodes in that same uh, vein throbbing. And it, it, his whole face explodes into these red particles. No, his face didn't explode. Well, he spit out them red particles yeah. and stuff, just like the other guy. So Walter says looks at Broyles and he says the building must be quarantined immediately. And so we see Peter and Olivia have come down the stairs, probably looking for Mike the courier. Mm -hmm. And they see Walter and Broyles standing outside the building, but they also see Mike the courier on the floor with that same uh, uh, vein popping crap. And, the, <laughs> the, and they hear, Walter says, the building has to be quarantined immediately. So Peter's looking real worried. Okay, the next scene we have, Walter is talking to Peter on their cell phones. And they're trying to get information. Walter's trying to get information on uh, the Dutchman, Mr. Van, Vanderkamp. And uh, while they're talking, the CDC in, from Atlanta, it arrives. And uh, Peter and Olivia are explaining to the people up in the petrol company about the quarantine and that Mike the courier has died. So everybody's kind of freaking out. And so Olivia says, okay, we need to separate the people from who, the people who were really near the Dutchman, uh, Mr. Vandercamp, Vanderkamp, and who was not, you know. And so they, they, they try to move them into separate rooms. Uh, Walter walks into the CDC's uh, mobile lab that they have set up on the premises and he starts giving orders to people, you know, telling them he needs this and he needs this. And next thing you know, the police arrest Walter. So Astrid goes and tells Broyles, uh, we need some help. Walter's been arrested. And uh, so when Broyles gets into the CDC uh, little lab, lab uh, uh, van, or it's actually one of those big old semi-trailer trailers that have been converted into a lab. And he tells them to uncuff Walter because, you know, he's FBI and Walter is a consultant for the FBI. So they uncuff Walter and um, 
Then we, we are introduced to the field director for the CDC, which is a man called Colonel McFadden. And McFadden is kind of a trip. And he tells Walter that he is not needed because uh, McFadden, you know, is an, uh, an expert in pathogens and he can, you know, be, be the consultant that they need. And Walter kind of goes off and he's saying, you know, he's got no time to waste on small-minded bureaucrats. And Broyles is standing there looking at Walter like, uh, Walter, cool it. Because, you know, you know Broyles wants to tell him like, hey, look, we're trying to get stuff out of these people. You got to be nice, mm -hmm. you know. But so he said, uh, Walter, you know. And, and uh, so Broyles tells Walter that he needs to cool it. And, you know, Walter looks kind of, kind of uh, apologetic and he does apologize to McFadden and he asks him for help in getting, you know, the blood samples and stuff that he needs so he can try to find out what this, what this uh, virus is or, you know, the illness, the d disease, what it is. So Broyles tells McFadden that Walter is quite an asset to them. And so McFadden then, then agrees and he, he orders one of his CDC techs to uh, accompany Walter to the lab with samples and to not let any of those samples out of his sight. And just as a side note, I love seeing the CDC tech because for all the fans of the unit, he was I one of the so. guys in the unit. Yeah, so I, I love seeing too. him, yay. But anyway, okay. So next we're inside the building and most of the show, we have scenes that are inside the building and outside the building. So inside the building, while that's going on with Walter outside, Olivia is trying to figure out who Mr. Vanderkamp was and who he was coming to see. And then the receptionist starts bleeding through her nose. So Peter has her go lay down in a separate uh, office quiet uh, and he lays her down to rest and says, you need to rest. And so when the, the, the other office workers see that the receptionist is bleeding, they, they start panicking because they said she wasn't even nowhere near that Mr. Vanderkamp. And here she's bleeding and, you know, uh, 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 getting sick. So Olivia asked to see Mr. Ames. Now, Mr. Ames is the black man who is the manager or one of the managers in the petrol company. And she says, she tells Mr. Ames that, you know, she noticed that he blocked out all of his appointments uh, the day before, and but he was there real early this morning. So Mr. Ames does admit that the Dutchman, Mr. Vanderkamp, was coming to see him that he had uh, a prearranged his schedule so he could meet him before any of the other workers came in that morning. And um, so he was supposed to come and give him some information about one of their competitors. And he realizes it's against the law, but you know, it, uh, that insider information, but that's what uh, Mr. Vanderkamp was there to do. So Olivia talks to Broyles on the phone and she tells him uh, that uh, Vanderkamp was an oil consultant who arrived in Boston from Dubai. That's what that's what uh, Broyles tells her, and that none of the other passengers on the plane that he arrived in had any kind of symptoms whatsoever. Next, we're back at the uh, lab at the Harvard University. Walter and Astrid are in the lab, and they're trying to find out about this virus. And they uh, got the blood samples from the CDC, and the CDC tech is helping them. And his name is is Hubert. That's his last yeah. name, Hubert. And uh, so Tech Hubert is helping them and everything. And Walter determines that the virus is not an airborne virus. And he says that they need some better blood samples. So Olivia 
back in the inside the building, Olivia tells Peter that she did not call her sister to tell her that, you know, she was in the quarantine because, you know, her sister has had so much to be concerned about lately and she didn't want to worry her because uh, everybody else had called their family members and stuff, you know, to let them know that, you know, about the quarantine and stuff. But, and Peter was questioning Olivia as to, well, you know, why aren't you calling your sister and at least let her know. Uh, so Olivia notices that the receptionist is just standing there behind where she's talking to um, to Peter. So then the receptionist just turns to the side and walks off. So Olivia gets up and, and uh, her and Peter start searching for her. And the woman is just walking all through the office and stuff. And she's getting, she's kind of yelling and screaming a little bit. Not real loud, but she's just kind of really erratic and everything. So Peter is hunting for her too. And Peter goes to the lobby part of the Petro company where the elevators are. And that's where the Mr. Vanderkamp's body is laying on the floor still. And it's covered with this bright yellow tarp. And so he's kind of, he notices the body and, you know, oh, okay. And, and he's kind of looking around to see, I guess, where the woman is. All of a sudden, this receptionist yells and runs right into Peter. She knocks him off balance and he lands on the floor and his hands touch that blood from Mr. Vandycamp, Vanderkamp, that, that, uh, that blood that has pooled around on the floor. It's really a nasty scene. And then the receptionist, runs off yelling and screaming and she runs to this large plate glass window. Now they're on the 16th floor and she jumps out that window. She runs right through that glass window and splat down on this car. Actually, she lands right on top of the CDC lab. That's what she, that big old van, that's what yeah. she lands on. And so Olivia runs to the lobby to see that the tarp, part of the tarp has been pulled off of the dead uh, uh, Mr. Vanderkamp. And then she sees blood on Peter's hands. And she's like, uh-oh. And Peter realizes that he's touched the blood. So he he runs to this little kitchen area and is, you know, washing his hands with that uh, 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 antibacterial soap and stuff, you know, trying to scrub it off. And while, while he's doing that, Olivia answers a phone call from Royals and he's demanded to know what the hell's going on up there. <laughs> you know, this woman come out, come out the window, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. And as she's talking to Broyles, we see that the CDC is spraying this antibacterial foam, foam stuff yeah. all over the woman's body and all over the van too. And he's got a hazmat suit on doing it. So, you know, they're trying to, to uh, make sure that nothing gets floating in the air. But then we also see inside that Peter not only has the blood on his hands, he's had the blood all the way up to his elbow, all the way up to his elbow. So he's having to wash that off. Then we see Peter washing the blood and he's taking his shirt off. And I mean, he is just scrubbing and he's looking really worried. And Olivia is looking on and telling Peter, uh, Peter to be, you know, be careful, be careful. The next thing we see Peter goes to the Dutchman's body and he's checking through all his pockets and he's saying, look, I'm probably already infected already. So we, we might as well, you know, search him because we got to have information because Olivia's horrified saying, Peter, don't touch the body. He says, hey, you know, I already got the blood on me. So, hey. So Peter finds a car, uh, a car key fob to a rental car. So he, he, you know, 
somehow they get it to outside to the CDC or, or they get that information to the CDC and the CDC hazmat techs, they go to this uh, rental car and they jack open the trunk and they take out a briefcase from the trunk. So Walter comes on the scene and Walter tells Broyles that he has a theory. Because the receptionist had a different reaction to the virus than Vanderkamp, the Dutchman did, Walter thinks that the virus needs to spread itself to survive, but it needs other organs to do that. So Vanderkamp arrived at the building alone, but he did not spray until he was in an office full of people. Well, now that the virus knows it is being contained inside a building, it wants to get outside so it can spread. So Broyles seems real skeptical that the virus quote, wants to get outside. You know, he says, mm, I don't know about that. But Walter said that Mike the Courier only spewed as he got near the front door. And that's true. But the receptionist showed an irrational desire to get outside. So she jumped herself through the window to get outside. So the virus compelled her to leave the building. Mm -hmm. And so Broyles is thinking, hmm, you know, that's making more sense now. So in the CDC lab unit there outside, the techs examined the contents of the briefcase and they found a drill ore sample from an exploratory oil dig. So that's when they, they, you know, they're trying to determine whether there's some oil underneath the ground and they do these exploratory digs. And I know what an exploratory dig is. Anyway, the tech views the sample under a microscope and there's the virus. It's right there in that oil sample. So, so McFadden says that the sample was stolen from the Solom Oil Corporation. And that same, uh, 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 and that, that sample, when Walter says, well, at what depth did they get the sample from? And McFadden tells him they got that sample from 10 mile depth. That means they dug 10 miles into the ground to get that oil sample. And Walter gets real irritated. And he says, the virus is probably 75,000 years old. And it's probably the same virus responsible for wiping out the Ice Age mammals. I mean, he is kind of livid. And Walter says the virus was meant to be left alone. And he stomps on off. And I thought that was pretty good. Inside the building, Walter and Astrid and the uh, some of the CD techs, they arrive and everybody's got a hazmat suit on and they're asking Olivia to separate the people alphabetically from, from uh, you know, so Olivia tells all the people with the last names beginning with A through M to follow her and the rest of them to go with this uh, uh, CDC guy named Phil Hubert and he's the one from the unit and uh, because they're going to take, take their blood or excuse me, they're going to take a a, a swabbing from the inside of their cheek and they're going to test it into this specific solution and if the solution turns black then that means they're infected if the if the solution uh stays um clear or turns red then that amber. means they're not mm -hmm. or amber yeah that means that they're not uh walter smiles at peter and peter kind of smiles back a little bit but they both look real worried so outside the building mcfadden is talking to another agent and he tells that agent that he needs to call the state department to get the approval for 11-6 eradication level six. yeah level six eradication because they don't know how to contain this virus and they don't know uh you know 
what will happen if anyone infected ever got to the outside. So they're, they're planning to nuke the place. Um, inside, Peter's nose starts bleeding, but he does not tell anyone. He hides it, and he goes into the room where Olivia and, and all the CDC is, and Walter is testing the people. And so, you know, he swabs this one guy, and the guy comes up um, uh, clean. And so, you know, he, he goes, when, 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 when it comes Peter's turn when to be... Olivia first. Well, when it comes Peter's turn, Peter says to Olivia, ladies first. So that's why they did Olivia before Peter, but Peter was before her because his name is Bishop and her name is something else. <laughs> anyway, Olivia Dunham, her name's yeah. a V. So, right. you know, he was first, but anyway, but he did that so he could swipe a swab. So, so of course, Peter, uh, excuse me, Olivia's uh, test sample comes back negative. She's not infected. When Peter takes the swab and he swabs the inside of his cheek and then he palms it and he gives uh, Walter a clean swab. And Walter, you know, puts it into the test, little liquid and everything, and it comes up clean. They both smile. And then Peter is going to be on that group because what, what the CDC is doing is in groups of five or six, those individuals that have been tested and come up non-infected, then they are ushering them out of the building. So here Peter is. He is in that group. That's go that first group that is going out of the building. These are the virus-free people. So everybody is on the first floor of the building, and they're being processed out. And there are two CDC uh, FBI guys there. They have uh, weapons with them, and they are checking everybody by name and and saying, "Okay, you're free to go. You're free to go." When they get to Peter, because Peter is uh, the last person in line, and he's after Olivia then Peter's nose starts bleeding. And so Olivia looks surprised and horrified at the same time. And Peter's, no, no, he starts fighting. I've got to get out. I've got to get outside. <clears throat> and you can see the veins in his uh, face starting to get bigger and bigger. So P Peter pleads with Olivia to open the door. They say no. So Walter and Astrid are still up on the 16th floor testing people. And Peter just looks wild and crazy. Olivia calls Astrid on the phone and tells her that Peter is infected. And she does not know how the test got wrong, but Peter is infected. He's bleeding from his nose. Uh, Astrid is shocked, and but she does not tell Walter. Even when Walter asked her what was that about, she said, oh, nothing. So outside, McFadden is explaining to Broyles that the situation, and they have to have a level six eradication. And um, he says he's very sorry, but, you know, that's just the way it has to go. And he says that they will extract the remaining people that are tested negative, but then they're going to have to send the army in and the army's going to have to clean it up, which means they're going to kill everybody in the building and, you know, disinfect it down. Now, when Olivia protests and McFadden takes her to a computer and shows her a computer simulation of just if only one infected person got out. And by the computer simulation, within... A matter of a few weeks, every human being in the United States would be dead. And then it would spread to other countries with this virus. So, you know, they, they can't do that. Inside, Walter and Astrid are packing up their test kits. And Walter takes off his hood and uh, says, you know, I don't need this because the virus is not airborne. So he doesn't need it. 
Hubert tells them that it's time for them to go. They're taking all the non-infected people out of the building. And Walter refuses to leave because he wants to find a way to help Peter. So Olivia calls Astrid to see why she and Walter did not come out. And Astrid tells her about Walter that they are going to stay and try to help the people. So Astrid removes her, uh, her little hood too. And Walter is in the background examining the Dutchman's body as uh, Astrid is talking to Olivia. Now, Olivia tells Astrid about the level six plan and that they will kill everyone inside the building unless they come out. And Astrid tells Olivia, well, Walter will figure something out. And then she hangs up on Olivia and she doesn't tell Walter about that call either. Now, Walter and Astrid carry the Dutchman's body to the table in the, in the kitchen break room and they start examining it. And one thing in this scene that I really liked is that as soon as Walter and Astrid put the Dutchman's body on top of this tabletop, they immediately took off their big gloves, washed their hands and put on fresh gloves. I thought that was excellent because that's exactly what you do. Anyway, and then they started, uh, Walter starts telling Astrid that Peter and the others infected are going to die. He says, you know, I can't let Peter die again. He's going to, you know, they all will. And Astrid encourages him and says, look, Walter, you'll think of something. You'll get him out. And she gets Walter to thinking. So Walter starts his little crazy talk. You know how he does. And he's remembering that volcanic ash killed a virus thousands of years ago. And that it was sulfuric ash that actually did it. So they needed some Eureka, sulfur. So they get look in the refrigerator and Astrid's looking all through the kitchen refrigerator and they find this horseradish because horseradish contains sulfur. So they take a blood sample from the uh, Dutchman, Mr. Vanderkamp, and they put it on a little Petri dish and they put the little horseradish on there and it kills, the sulfur kills the virus. So, you know, they communicate this to Olivia who, uh, and, and Walter is giving Olivia the uh, parts per, per million um, uh, volume uh, uh, directions to make this little concoction of, of sulfuric uh, ash so they can inoculate all the people. Well, of course, McFadden and the State Department, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to hear it. They, they want to go ahead. Then Broyles comes up with the good idea. Well, okay, look, why don't you feed some gas through the place and actually knock all the people out and they will be knocked out unconscious and give you enough time to synthesize this little, um, uh, uh, get the chemical. Yeah. Get the chemical and, and, you know, inoculate everyone because they were banging on the door. They were last trying to get out Peter and, and several other people that were infected. Yes. I was getting to that oh. part. Well, that was okay. I was getting that far, but anyway, but yeah. And while they was having that conversation, yeah, Peter and all of them was banging. It was a terrible scene though. Yeah. <laughs> they were throwing chairs and everything. Well, Olivia sneaks into the building and she is going to go turn the ventilators back on because the first thing they did when they realized it was a virus at the beginning of, of the whole episode is they turned off the air conditioners and the ventilators because they, they didn't know if it was airborne or not. Well, they needed the ventilators on so they could pump this gas throughout and knock everybody out. Well, Peter is just crazy, crazy. So he is running around and he goes to the guard station. He's looking for something to throw and he sees the security monitors and he sees Olivia sneaking in the building. So he goes where Olivia is and Olivia's trying to get down to the basement to turn on the, um, the ventilators. <coughs> oh, uh, Peter 
knocks Olivia down. He surprises her and knocks her down, and them two are fighting. I mean, she is kicking his butt, but he is kicking her butt. And he finally gets the gun away from Olivia, and he doesn't shoot her, though. But she's kind of knocked out, and he runs on up. Because what he's doing, he gets on the elevator. He's going up to the lobby because he's going to shoot that glass with the gun so he can get out. Anyway, <coughs> meanwhile, the Army has already sent some men in to uh, to the uh, 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 building uh, in the lobby, you know, to start the, the containment process. And because the ventilators are not on yet, they gave her 15 minutes and she hadn't turned them on yet. Well, Olivia finally comes to and she's... She finally makes it to the little boiler room, wherever the, uh, the the circuit breakers are, and she turns on the air. And so it's communicated immediately to the um, uh, CDC outside. Okay, the ventilators are on, so they pump that gas in through the building. So by the time that the elevator gets up to the lobby with Peter on it, Peter is knocked out cold on the elevator on the floor, still clutching the gun in his hand. So the next scene we have... Walter is injecting Peter with the anecdote, and we're assuming that he's already injected the other people, and Peter comes awake and says, thank you, thank all of you, and he and, and he especially tells Olivia that he's sorry, and, and we see that he's strapped down, or, or he's not strapped down, but he's, he's tucked real tight with these blankets on a gurney in the CDC uh, lab, and the very last scene, you know, Walter is, is smiling, he's pleased, and he walks out of that little CDC lab to get some air. And he's just kind of stumbling around because, you know, he's tired and he's relieved. Astrid follows him out, and she asks Walter, Walter, what did you mean when you said you could not let Peter die again? And Walter says, some things are meant to be left alone, Agent Farnsworth. And then he just walks on off. That's the end of the episode. Ooh, that was a long one, but that was good. That, that was, was excellent. That was one of my favorite episodes. And you know what? I'm with Astrid. As soon as Walter said that, I had to roll it back because I said, uh-oh, Astrid, Astrid heard him. Yeah. She heard him say that. So I was so glad she asked him at the end. Ooh, she's going to remember that. Again. Again. Yes. She's going to start thinking, though. <coughs> I and think... I think Astrid's going to start questioning and thinking. I don't know, because she doesn't really know what to think about that. Well, know? but, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. She might mention it to Peter. Maybe. I mean, Peter knows. Peter don't know well, anything. But Astrid knows about the alternate universe and well, stuff. Well, yes, they all yeah. And all that. So, I don't know. I just thought that was excellent. Yeah, and that was That has good. excellent possibilities. But he gets chocolate after just being in the moment. That's true. Well, I like this episode, except it was another kind of nasty one. Well, this one was particularly nasty. Yes. And let me just start at the very beginning by okay. saying, Mike the bike messenger getting on the elevator with that sick guy, Vanderkamp. Mm -hmm. I would have been standing back. Well, he was kind of standing back. And, but my thing was, which I don't know. Maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm not heroic or whatever. <laughs> but if someone passed out, they had blood coming out of their mouth and their ear, nose, ears, whatever, passed out, and we were doing the Heimlich on him, I would not be the one to give him mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. He wasn't doing no Heimlich. He was doing CPR. Or CPR. 
I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do well, it. Well, now you see, brother man was not putting his lips on that guy. <laughs> he was just standing there. Well, he was kneeled down. First but, of all, but why do you a... keep calling him that Mr. Ames? You kept saying, well, the black guy, Mr. Ames. Because the black, the black guy, guy, Mr. Ames. Oh, yeah. I Mr. like J. that. I like that. But anyway, I would not be the one giving him mouth to mouth. I would not have put my mouth on him. No. 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 Bleeding. He's sweating. I would sweating. have said, call an ambulance, call an ambulance, you yeah. know, do something. Do something. Yeah. And I probably would have like, you know, because most men wear, the uh, this guy has a suit and tie on and stuff. I probably would have like loosened up his tie or something, you know. Yeah. But no, I wouldn't have put my mouth on him. No. And especially since he was bleeding out of his nose. And sweating and stuff. Yeah. But he was bleeding Stumbling. out of his nose. Oh, no. <laughs> Which meant it was going to uh, uh, trickle down to his lip. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's I thought of when I saw that scene. I thought of that. I was like, "Who the what? No <laughs> way!" See, I just would not be courageous, and I don't know. Maybe that's probably just me. I'm mm-hmm. sure other people would, but but anyway, that's what I thought about first. <laughs> that's funny. And to me, Mr. Ames looked pinky from the beginning. He did. He looked suspicious from the beginning because he just kept looking at the guy like, "Okay, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. well." Help do something, yeah. dude. I was thinking that too. I was thinking, why is he not helping the guy? No, he, he was not helping him at all. Not at all. Not at all. He was he was kneeled down on the floor, like uh, toward his feet. Yeah. But he wasn't helping at all. When, and then when when the uh, when Mike the the courier was just all you know, oh no, he died. He died. And that guy's looking like. Mm. <laughs> There goes my sample. Oh, we didn't well, know that at the time. He was probably but... thinking, damn, I didn't get the information. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. now that we know. Exactly. Because he was doing some clandestine stuff anyway, Ooh. so. And then when that guy's face started crackling or drying up or <laughs> His whatever. His was popping Popping. Mm-hmm. That was nasty. Ooh. And then that red dust, the red blood dust, whatever. Yeah. I'd have been so far across that room. You know so what? Quick. That was nasty, but to me, Mike the Courier was nastier. That was awful. That was just awful because he was right there at the door. Oh yeah, them that was looking awful. at him. Yeah, and he yeah. just start, you know, and oh. then oh yeah, that was awful. That was that but, was terrible. I mean, it's a good thing that Walter thought about that. He thought, man, Walter's holding the door. Uh-huh. He's like, uh, <laughs> he's no. holding the door. No, you're not coming out. I thought that. See, was I'm weird. already weird when I'm in the store. <laughs> And people are coughing and sneezing. I'd be looking, seeing where are they going and what can I know. I, I'm going to make sure I don't touch what they just touched. Hey, I went to the store today and, uh, <laughs> wait a minute, a couple was walking like, you know, on the left side of me. And, you know, I was a little irritated because this car was coming. They didn't stop for my ass, but they stopped for them. Of course, she was, well, anyway. Anyway. Sister um, Hey. But anyway. So she, they stopped for them. So I was irritated anyway. And then I went into the store and was getting a cart or, or the, the little um, uh, basket. And the woman was coming on the right side of me with with, with her little mate coughing. I thought, oh, didn't put her hand up near her mouth or nothing, just coughing. I, know, I thought, that's nasty. oh hell no. So you know, I went on into the store real fast. Went over to the meat counter. Wait a minute. Went to turn. There she was behind me. I thought, oh, so I had to move. <laughs> to the meat party later then. I went home with my shopping. <laughs> I did. Because I was thinking about that virus. 
I was thinking about fringe. I thought, oh no, I'm not getting anything from this person. <laughs> Makes you paranoid. Oh, so funny. Oh. Well, I will say I actually used one of the wipes today because there's too many people coughing around oh, yeah. the store. Oh yeah. But we I was at the store and this little girl was just a hacking and coughing, but she was touching everything in the little oh, aisle before you get up to the yeah. uh, cash register. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, don't touch nothing Mm-mm. that she has Mm-mm. went by. It's just nasty. And, and, you know, some people, unfortunately, they just don't wash their hands like, you know, like you and I do. So That's why anyway. my hands stay dry. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I don't care. I'd rather have dry hands than nasty I hands. just keep lotion in my purse or on my desk because I wash my hands a lot. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway, okay, anyway. we kind of went off too. I know. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, I have a thing about some germs. Yeah. Not that bad, but you know. Yeah, you're kind of bad. Every time somebody sneezes at work, I'm like, oh, Lord, who is it? Mm-hmm. Hey, now just a side note, you got to watch people at work. Mm-hmm. Make some nasty foods oh, yeah. work. And don't be eating no pollock, y'all. And anytime you see a person going to the restroom, they come out and they have not washed their hands, you don't you don't fool with them. No. You don't need nothing they bring to work. Thank you. <laughs> you you don't Honey, you don't wet. take no candy they offer you. No. Nothing. Hey. Uh-uh, when we have nasty. potluck at work, I'm like, who made that? Who made that? Who made, Who made this? That? That's right. Who made that? Oh, no, because I seen that person come out the bathroom, didn't wash no hands, mm-hmm. didn't let that water run until it was hot. Exactly. Yeah. Who would have wash their hands with some cold water? Ooh, well, some people water. don't even use soap. They just rinse. They just like, put water on it and, and get a paper towel and go. Mm, mm, mm. I don't like it when they come out of the stall and they go to, like, touching their hair and their, their, their uh, uh, lipstick and stuff. Mm. Oh, that's nasty. Anyway, okay. Anyway. Come on. Okay. <laughs> we got off. We got off. Ooh, it gives me the willies. I know. Anyway, I liked Walter in this episode because he got rowdy bowdy. He was rowdy. He got jump bad quick. But you know what? In episodes when it deals with Peter directly. Yes. That's when he gets. He gets mad. Mad. He gets fast. irritated. Yep. Fast. He, he wants you to get out of his way and let him do the stuff and get him yeah. what he needs. Because he said he don't have time for I you. I have a PhD in chemist bio, whatever it was. He said I have a PhD. He says I have a PhD in biochemistry at Harvard. You know, and oh, it was and the you way are he just said a CDC field dude, uh, basically. a bureaucrat. Oh, he was. It was. He that was, was so, so arrogant, though. That was so <laughs> that good. was so good. But then when Broyles, you know, met, uh, said, uh, Walter. Yeah, cool it now. That he didn't after, apologize. Ashley was like, "Oh Lord, no, I know." Like, oh, but so I mean, hey, he 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 bristled up quick though. He did because mm-hmm. hey, that was his baby in there. That's right. He wanted to make sure he could get what he needed to get to help find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with him. That's right. And then when he was so, you know, kind of distraught because he knew he could, he didn't have the answer yet to try to save Peter. Mm-hmm. And he was like, they're all going to die again. He's going to, or he's going to die again. They're yeah, all going to die. die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of I sad. Thought that, but I thought it was real. Once again, the relationship with Walter and Astrid, Astrid. is just I know. awesome. I, I bet he heard daddy or something. What you bet? Oh. Hey, it could be in the story. You don't know. There's a reason why Farnsworth is there now. Hey, you don't know, but anyway. And it's I just like, really amazing, though. It's really good. It's really good. Well, I like the fact, too, that, you know, 
here again, now this is the next episode from, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what lies, or uh, Jahari window, uh-huh. where Peter told Walter one thing and he told Astrid something else. Mm-hmm. And this one, Olivia is telling Astrid some stuff. She's like, oh, well, we're going to handle it and don't tell, and doesn't tell uh, Walter what's going on. Yep. <clears throat> And she was going to stay there blind, you know, not blindly faithful that he's going to find an answer, but knowing that he's smart, he'll figure something out. But what if he didn't? She would have been in there exactly. when the army came in, but too. She, she, was she was willing to, do, to that. do that. She was willing to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really like their, I like that. making their relationship closer. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. You know, that. we didn't mention in our other podcast, the hmm. one... Um, the Jahari window what? that Walter called her asterisks again. I know he does that sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, he does that yeah. sometimes. Uh huh. He called her asterisks again, uh-huh. and, but this one he didn't. He called her. But see, Agent I think Walter does that when he's absent-minded, like when he's not thinking. Yeah, when he's really, you know, his mind is on something else. Yeah, but when he wants her, like uh, that's why I found the ending of this so interesting because when he wants her to actually get it then he uh, he always calls her agent farnsworth i know yeah and then she just kind of backs backs up a little bit mm-hmm. yeah like so oh, we're back to we're formal now huh well she knows yeah. he's hiding something now i know yeah to me that was more suspicious yeah he said, that was real suspicious. if he would have just said oh what did i say i didn't i don't know what i was talking mm-hmm. about but he didn't so now okay so, it it was titled "What Lies Below." Below well, what? The Earth. That sample okay. gotcha. that they took from ten miles down is what it was. And it was this virus. Yeah. That didn't need to be brought up. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. When Walter said, "You know, some things are meant to be left alone," and he was like brooding. I mean, he was mad when he said it too. He knew about he, the about the virus. Right. Yeah. When he well, he said it at the end too. Well, when he found out that they had uh, uh, drilled ten miles deep, and 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 when he realized, you know, well, wait a minute, this is probably the same type virus that wiped out all the mammals once before. Y'all fools should have left it there, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, yeah. And and he said that at the end too to Astrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Walter got some explaining to do. Now I find it interesting that Pete, um, that Olivia didn't want to call her sister uh-huh. when it came time when everybody was you know trying to let people know what was going on. And Peter found that interesting too. Yeah, mm-hmm. when she kind of just ignored him when he said, "You want to call? You know, I can give you my phone." She's like, "Okay, what do you think about this?" And let's keep on mm-hmm. going and you know trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm thinking, well, hell, we ain't seen her. Why would you try to call Well, I took it like they were trying to portray. This is what I think. I think they were trying to portray that Olivia is trying to keep her distance, even from her sister, as she does other people, because she knows what's coming. And if she's not able to stop it, it's going to be the end for everybody, because William Bell has already told her that. And she's already let that Thomas Newton guy go, so she's she's still worried about that that part. I think I don't see that as yeah. I mean, I see it more as she, like Peter said, you're trying to protect your sister still, even when this is a situation where you should be able to call someone for comfort when you're scared or 
when you're worried about something. Yeah, but that's just not her personality. She hasn't been that way since season one, so that's not her personality. So I, I, I don't see them changing that. You see what I'm saying? So I thought yeah. that was true to Olivia form myself. I thought she was going to say, well, I have you to talk to. No, she's not going to do no, that. No, she's not going to do that at all. So Now, one thing, one issue I have with this episode <coughs> is, okay, so we've got all these people, cops, FBI people in the six, you know, in this company's offices um, because they're there investigating and they quarantine the building and... So when the receptionist goes crazy and Peter and Olivia are trying to chase her down, ain't nobody around. The whole office looked deserted. They were in separate rooms. They separated them. I know, but still, they were all, I mean, that was just too, too deserted. And it looked like even the rooms they passed had nobody in it. I mean, you would think somebody would be peeking out. Oh, I hear some noise. What's going on? Peeking out. I didn't, I didn't uh, take it that way at all because... They had already separated the people. They had already separated the people from, okay, which one of y'all was the closest to them? Okay, then who was the next closest, the next closest? So they was trying to separate them in little groups anyway. I get that, but it just was odd to well, me. Well, I didn't even trip on it. I, I mean, I didn't even uh, clue in on that <laughs> at all. I mean, I didn't. Because uh, when they went out to the lobby, and it wasn't nothing there but that dead body, but that made sense to me because everybody would have wanted to be as far away from him as possible because he was by the elevator. Yeah. See, so that didn't, oh no. To me, I I would have thought they would at least have a cop there to make sure that no one was trying to leave like the messenger guy tried to leave. I mean, how did he get all the way downstairs to the front door and ain't nobody there to make sure that nobody leaves? Well, first of all, they had already evacuated the building way before the uh, Mike the, uh, the Courier got down there. So they had already evacuated the other floors of the building. There wasn't nobody in the building except the people on the 16th floor. Right, which is all the more reason to make sure nobody... Anyway, it just struck me as odd no, no, no. that there was nobody to be found uh, and this lady was able to just walk through and nobody was asking... That didn't nothing. surprise me at all simply because... Once you evacuate a building and quarantine it, you're certainly not going to send other people. I don't care if you're a police officer or anything. I'm not saying other people. There were already cops there and FBI people there along with Olivia and Peter. When they said quarantine the building, they had to leave. No, they didn't. They were stuck in there. I didn't see the cops in there. Oh my goodness, Sister J. At the very beginning, Peter... And Olivia were there along with some other police people interviewing everyone. So they quarantined all those people in the building. Mm -hmm. Cops too. Mm -hmm. If it was me and Mike had just tried to escape and run (laughs) out the dough, I'd have to have somebody on the elevator in this fire escape or the stairs to make Uh sure nobody tried to sneak out. So when they're chasing the receptionist through, I found it odd that there's nobody around oh. to make sure she don't try to run down the stairs of the elevator. But I, I didn't even know. think about that. I know you didn't. Yeah, you I didn't that. even think about that. Yeah, that didn't that didn't alarm me or, or seem odd to me at all. And then Peter doing pulling a silkwood <laughs> and trying to <laughs> get all that blood off. I'm like, well, it's too late now. You, you know, slip slide through all that nastiness. You're right. And now this is a thing. This is the only part that I thought was uh, very false. And that is, Olivia would not have just stood there and when Peter's uh, stuff came up. 
uh, clean. She, she would have said, oh, so, you know, you weren't infected even though you was in that blood or something. I just don't, I just didn't believe it. I just didn't believe it. I don't know. Yeah, but... I just didn't believe it at all. So, but, you know. He was good at faking that switch. Yeah, it worked out. Switcheroonie, but he was looking evil. Yeah, it worked out, though, because he started bleeding again. So, you know, because all he wanted to do was get out. See. And then Peter gets rowdy bowdy too. Mm-hmm. But but with that, that was, virus. Yeah, that was the virus. So and that was a good fight scene. Cares Olivia. Uh. He kicked her. <laughs> now she couldn't fight, but I think she was just. I mean, and Anna Tor was good in her reactions because she just looked like she was like, "What? What? She was Peter? surprised. I know. You're kicking my butt. Mm-hmm. He got that gun. Yep. Oh, that was that was good. Yeah, that, that was, was good. That was a good, that was a good scene. scene. Yeah. That was a real good scene. But uh, showing him on the elevator, oh, he looked mean. Oh, he looked like he was going to kill whoever. But but he was going up to shoot the window so he could get out. Though. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know? So, because even if the cop shot him, he would just do that dispersal and, you know, mm-hmm. be outside then. So And all them fools would have been out. All there was about them. five or six of them. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, <laughs> that was a good, that. That was good. That was. I just really enjoyed the whole entire episode. It was, but you know, as I think I pointed out, it was like the movie Quarantine. If anybody's seen the movie Quarantine with uh, Jennifer Carpenter in it, Jennifer Carpenter is uh, she plays uh, Dexter's sister in the eight, uh, Showtime series Dexter, but she's actually married to Michael C. Hall. Who, I know who Michael C. I... Michael C. Hall. Shout out to him because he won for Best Actor. In a drama series for Dexter. I love Dexter. But anyway, uh, but that movie is a trip, though. And that's what this episode reminded me of. Well, I've never seen Quarantine. Well, you probably couldn't stand Quarantine. It's real nasty. It's I, nastier than this. So, I know. Yeah, it's real bad. Anymore, some of these, if it's too nasty, I can't watch it. <laughs> I can handle Fringe because it's a small dose. It's only an hour and they don't. Usually fill up every single minute of that's true. They don't, <clears throat> but there are some <laughs> movies that I just can't take. There are some so. that are too nasty for me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you have any comments or um, <clears throat> questions for us, you can send us an email at sisterspeak at gmail dot com. Our voicemail is nine seven two six nine two seven three four one. And our website is sistersinreview.com. We would love to hear from you, especially now that we're getting caught up on all the episodes. Yep. And um, we've only got a couple more to catch up on. That's it. And then we're into a winter hiatus for Fringe, which is going to be sad. No, we have other stuff to do, though. We do. But I mean, it seems like they always get really good right before it goes off for a while. Well, that's true, but... You know, there's other stuff that we'll be doing, so. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so that's it. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next time. Mm